Oh, oh, one more thing. about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode we'll be discussing Death Hits the Jackpot, originally broadcast on December 15th, 1991. That's not great. Directed by Vincent <laughs> McKeevity. Uh-oh. Written by Jeffrey Bloom and Robert ah. Van Skoik. Oh, oh, no. Boy. And starring Rip Torn, Gary Kroger, Jamie Rose, and, of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And every time we're joined by a special guest tonight, it's returning guest... Writer Alex Snap, before we bring him on, John. Yes, RJ. Would you bid $80 in a footstool made of coffee cans? Wouldn't I? Uh, RJ, in the middle of contentious divorce, would be professional photographer Freddie Brower, played by Gary Kroger, wins a landslide in the lottery $30 million, plus an additional $435,885. The problem? He doesn't want to split it with his soon-to-be ex-wife, Nancy, played by Jamie Rose. And that's where his recently bankrupted jewelry store-owning Uncle Leon, played by Rip Torn, comes in. Leon's going to pick up the lottery winnings for Freddie and hand off the cash later after the divorce. Wow, that's some uncle. Complicating matters, though, is that he kills Freddie using the old fake-a-bathroom-accident-while-dressed-like-King-George technique, <laughs> a.k.a. a good old-fashioned number seven. <laughs> and he's been sleeping with Nancy behind Freddie's back. Wow, that's some uncle. Yes, everybody's misused him, ripped him off, and abused him. A terrible blow, but that's how it goes. Freddy's dead. Add into this mix an apartment building full of wacky sitcom neighbors, a crate of champagne, an expensive car on its way to burn, and Joey, the sole witness to the murder, and also a monkey or whatever, an ape, an orangutan, a squirrel. I don't know. I'm not a zoologist. And it's a muddled powerball (laughs) of crime and deception. Now it's up to Columbo to set right the lottery balls of justice. If your numbers are G-U-I-L-T and Y, then you've won 50 years to life. RJ? Thank you, John. Alex, welcome back to the program. I I am happy to be back. I was going to try to introduce myself with a bad southern accent, but I couldn't bring myself. <laughs> yeah, it. don't. Don't bother. Uh, so when you were uh, given a choice of 80s... Or, sorry, 80s, 90s Columbo episodes to do. You picked this one. Uh, why did this one stand out to you? It, it was, as best as I could recall, the best of the ones you had left. Okay, that <laughs> that's good. Yeah, you're not wrong. Literally, you're not wrong. That's, literally that's... my decision. I can't, I cannot argue that point. Yes, you, you may be right. Yeah, you may be right about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. Where should we start with things? Anybody uh, got any place to go there? The southern, no? the southern accent is actually kind of a yes. good place to start. When I first, I, I'm, I'm yes. happy to start there. Oh, please do. Yes. For one thing, you go. Yeah, go. Why does he have a southern accent? He's a know, jeweler like in it. Los Angeles. I like <laughs> it though. I grew to like it. Rip Torn's crazy southern accent in this i grew to like it especially by the second time i saw it if i found i found it charming in a weird weird way well here here's what i got from it he and his wife both had had the same accent yeah but it was the same stage accent because they pronounced certain sounds differently yeah and the best example i had is that torn pronounces it halloween and his wife calls it halloween So if they're from the same place and they have the same accent, pick a pronunciation. Like if Rip says Halloween, run with Halloween, lady. Right. Maybe it's a a class signifier. Maybe he's a gold digger because she seemed pretty refined. Oh, I would guess so. so, Yeah. 
He seems the yeah. type, especially uh, given uh, past folks in Kalimba episodes who are like strapped for cash. Usually it's because they married into money and they've yeah. run through it. And then now they, they, get need new, they need a new source in the tap. So actually, that, you know, I, that's a good point. That actually would fit this. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite things about this podcast is when we add depth to it with an observation. And we did that within three minutes. There you <laughs> so go. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I really, I'm really, I'm really pleased with that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Rift Torn, uh, an actor who I enjoy a great deal. But yeah, he's got a, a crazy southern accent throughout this entire thing. Which mm-hmm. the first time I watched this, at first I'm like, what the hell is he doing there? Oh my god! And then uh, through the end of the episode, the first time's like, oh okay, it's okay. The second time's like, I found it nice. I found yeah. it kind of silly and strange, and I liked it a great deal actually. I think it helps his fake humility. Mm. Oh, definitely. I don't think. Oh it, god, I, yeah, yes. I don't think it would. It would resonate because you know Rip Torn is kind of terrifying. Yes. Oh my god! So... Right way to put it. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Perfectly. <laughs> Yes. So they had to soften him some way, and I think perhaps a rather silly Kentucky accent was the way to do it. Oh my god, he's kind of terrifying. He is. It is weird that he didn't murder his wife because now he has to share thirty million with his wife. Yeah, I'm sure that was next on the agenda because right, this has got to be one of the most evil. Columbo oh, yeah. murderers. Oh, he is. Yeah. The murder scene alone is so awful and disturbing. It's one of the more dis- yeah. one of the more unsettling ones in the entire series, which is saying a lot. Yeah. yeah. But uh, one thing I was trying to figure out the first time I watched it, and then the second time, because uh, I also watched it twice to prepare for it. That's the kind of dedication I have. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not watching it as we talk. So uh... thank you, <laughs> thank you for doing that. Um, I was yeah. trying to figure out exactly when Rip Torn decided he was going to murder Freddy, and I'm pretty sure it's as soon as he heard $30 million. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I figured that too. Like, when he wants to put on his hat to go outside to think a bit better, and it, yeah. the germ had started, but by the time they were walking through that park, I, he's, I'm pretty he's sure at the it. end he was it. just yeah. eyeing the back of his head to figure out where to hit it with yes. this bottle. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. I figured when he went for a walk, he was looking. He was hoping to stumble across a deep well, <laughs> or a very large rock. You should yeah. look in there. It's really interesting. But hand me your card first, and then boom. Yeah. And and it's made worse by the fact that that uh, Freddie like trusts him right oh, to yeah. you know being drowned in the bathtub. Right, because <laughs> wanna, I think. I'm oh, sorry. Good. Do you want to pull that back, Ashley? Let's talk a little bit more about. Uh, about Freddy as a character and why it sucks so bad that he gets murdered. Yes. Oh, too much. Yeah. Here's the thing to he's, I think he is uh, definitely one of, he's the poor bastard of this episode for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, the thing that's also more frustrating is Gary Kroger does a good job in this because he really does. There are so many nineties episodes where they would have cast somebody for that kind of role who would have been like, you couldn't care less. Right. If that actor had been knocked off by somebody. But Kroger does a very, very good job in this. Like, I think he's, he's a very yeah. good actor in this, yeah. He's a really well-balanced character. Like, yeah. first thing we see, right, he shows up at his wife's, his ex-wife's. He's driving kind of like a dick. He acts like a dick when he comes in. He's got a mullet and a photographer's vest, which is always a good sign. <laughs> and, and it's in the middle of a divorce. So you're like, well, he's the jerk in the divorce. But... 
you know, and he's also doing that bit about what is it like? Uh, we have to split my debts, mm-hmm. right? right? But when he explains why he thinks they should split the debts, it actually makes some sense. Yeah, it, it, like, it's I, he obviously reasonable. Still, yeah, <laughs> but then like, so he wins the lottery, and you actually do. He's so earnest about being excited that you kind mm-hmm. of feel for him. He's so earnest when he talks to his uncle, you feel for him. He's annoyed by his neighbors, but he still lets them all in, and he still at least gives up two of his bottles of champagne. Right, yes. He's he's not a great guy, but he's not a really evil guy. He's no. maybe, might be the best rounded victim in Columbo history. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, I will put that out there. It'll require uh, some research, or at least one of the top five. Okay, I, I would say top five. I would say yeah. top five, yeah. Because I really, I you know, it wasn't that I loved him. I just, you can see why he's a complicated human being. I really like yeah. Kroger's portrayal. Yeah, no, and, I, and oh, sorry. I was going to say a lot of his flaws like make more sense when you realize how horrible his uncle and ex-wife were. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I wanna, then I wanna, I'm like, okay. oh yeah, this marriage was awful. Like, so no ask, wonder he's down in the dumps. <laughs> I want. I want to ask a question. Do you guys think it turns out uh, when Kroger is with her in the first scene, she's getting ready for some date? Do you think that date is with? Oh yeah, Uncle Leon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, which later on, that's a great setup because that makes it even worse. Uh huh. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Again, you walk away thinking, you know, you feel very sympathetic for her because she just got cheated out of fifty million dollars, and you know, her husband, her not yet ex-husband has been kind of dicking her around on the on the divorce and he just ran out of there and trying to come up with a plan to cheat her out of money and then she actually turns out to not only be effing his uncle but absolutely be in on planning the murder i was That's genuinely a, shocked by that i was genuinely shocked was by that too. turn i was surprised yeah. which i felt great it's like oh this 90s Columbus episode actually pulled something over on me. I did not. Yeah. When she's coming up to uh, Gary Kroger's apartment after he's been murdered and Rip Torn is there, and thinking like, oh, no, how is he going to react when he's there? Like, oh, and they start making out. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, I actually didn't expect that. I was very, very surprised, which I I loved that, that I was surprised by it. Yeah. You, you know, I just had a thought right now. <clears throat> it, do you think Rip Torn? and the ex-wife uh, planned the murder before Freddy came to him? Because she had to have figured out the lottery oh. thing. He wasn't very subtle about it. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe. Well, I don't... Huh, it, I don't know, because, actually, yeah, because yeah. Torrin seemed pretty surprised that... that uh, I wonder Freddy if had they won. had... Yeah. They might have planned a murder nonetheless. Hmm. That's true. But I'm guessing uh, if if it wasn't if it wasn't before that, he probably went back to his fancy jewelry store and called her up right away as soon as Freddie was gone. And it's like, yeah, hey, sweetheart, we have to take care of this and something like that. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. What is that, Colonel? Hey, sweetheart, we have to take care of this. Yeah, that's my <laughs> that's thing. It's Pepperidge Farm. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Yo, English. Well, was, I don't know uh, what we're going to do here. Southern accent. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> For my Alex, time on the stage. Saying? I don't know what the hell <laughs> Well, I don't know what we're going to do here. We're going to oh murder this nephew of mine. Alex, please talk. For his $30.3 <laughs> million dollars with that very specific dollar <laughs> amount that kept coming up. Oh, but that's a thing people do when they win. I guess, but they usually put it on a banner in their office. 
<laughs> to, to the penny. Yeah, well, that was so weird. weird. <clears throat> that was very weird. That, that, I think that was just an elaborate psychological ruse to get their Christmas bonus early. That's because they oh, got yeah. it, right? So That's true, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, well, if they had an extra, like, uh, like $358,295, oh, I'll give some of it to you. Sure, hey, you're right, folks. <laughs> Toiling in the uh, diamond mines in the back room. Yeah, why not? In the diamond mines. Oh, my goodness. Uh, speaking about those twists and turns, I mentioned this to RJ in chat, but this, I feel like this could have been, like, straight scripted a Hitchcock movie. Oh, it yeah. Feel, Ooh, yeah. It has so many sure. wonderful twists and turns. Definitely. It's got weird ancillary characters who maybe aren't that important to the plot. It's got weird family uh, sex stuff, which Hitchcock always loved. Yeah. Too. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and I just not forget the terrible Scottish accent on the uh, movie. Oh, right. yeah. McGinty. McGinty and his chimp. Yes. <laughs> it was the, his last line was the first time I realized he was, I thought he was Irish. It was the first time I realized that he was trying to be Irish or Scottish. Yeah. McGinty's Irish is the thing, and the the uh, monkey is wearing. Well, was it a black watch tartan? Let me go look at it. I think so. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no, it's a. It that seemed like that would be yeah. served to the queen. Yeah. Um. So, what's uh, so bringing that up? Let's bring up uh, Freddy's Weird Neighbors, the sitcom. Which, again, sure. John, this is the thing uh, we talked about in, uh, chatting back and forth this week about I how I feel like this plays into your Columbo as an antibody. Yeah, in TV show more, genre more than thing. ever. So yeah, so if you want to go on that a little bit, I think it's well. This this just felt like an absolute sitcom. And by the way, I have a couple of suggestions for the title, RJ. But we'll, oh, please. We'll see okay. Uh, you're you're very good at it. So let's see what happens. Oh, but I mean, you've got so here's let me. I have a picture of them all, so I could keep track. Because yeah. there really are, as supporting characters go, like forty of them. Yeah, there's it's such um, a, a huge amount of people that uh, Freddie lives with in that building and i i would assume downtown los angeles it seems like it's the same part of town yeah. that colombo uh loves the knife life place in <laughs> yeah in much. the apartment next door there's a yeah. there's a, a guy getting murdered and thrown out a window yeah sleazy uh, um detective i think it was guy, like yeah. a more like an artist community a little bit it but like it felt me. so incongruous to i don't know it just felt strange yeah, yeah. It, i think it was supposed to be a, a series of loft apartments which would make it you know it I don't actually know if in the '90s you could still get a loft and it was cheap. But then, but yet it was like... still it was still a friendly enough neighborhood with creepy old uh, warehouses where kids were able to trickle trick or treat. So sure, yeah, good point. Yeah, there were kids uh, trick or treating. Yeah, the industrial district the, is big. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so he's got a good sitcom assortment of neighbors. So he's a hardworking uh, uh, photographer who can't get his business off the ground. Like he's got light beer. Oh my God, he really drinks beer. Apparently, uh, he's he's got an uh, an Italian middle aged Italian man who's devoted to his mama who only speaks Italian. Mm-hmm. That's a good sitcom character. Yeah, he's got McGinty McGinty who's like the doofy Irish guy. Scottish. Who I, th- I McGinty's an Irish name. Oh, It'd be okay. McGinty if he were Scottish, but oh, okay. You can move. I don't know. No, you're probably uh, right. I'm sure you're right. We'll he's got letters. Trish, the the poet and the Potter. Oh, yeah, who is thirsty as hell for Columbo? Good lord! Like every other woman right? in this episode, yes. Every woman that was just on Columbo's jock like crazy. 
they got a guy who looks like uh, a sort of baby made for TV version of Roddy Piper, who the only thing he does is play guitar at the wake. Oh, see, I was thinking like Greg Evigan. Oh, it was Greg like a Evigan's poor man, a poor man's Greg Evigan. Actually, the guy thinking. who looks like the guy who looks like Greg, Evig- Greg Evigan is the guy who played Pete on Cheers. Oh, oh, I was thinking the wrong guy. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, you think really the wrong is? guy? He really is. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that's where I saw him. Yes. And holy and crap, his girlfriend. He's on forever. <laughs> Dang. Well, I'm so and his girlfriend, and there's another blonde girl, and basically his girlfriend Trish and the other blonde girl. Oh, and the other blonde girl, right? All look like the same blonde girl with different hairstyles. Yeah, a bunch of models. Which, yeah, that could be a joke too. But and yeah. that's a, it's a huge crowd. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot someone who's very important. Who? Joey the chimp. Right. Yes. Who's you know that's your you got your neighbor with the funny animal that's that's McGinty's gimmick. Mm-hmm. That's a sitcom crowd. You could write a decent sitcom about. Oh this. sure, yeah, yeah. He lived in a sitcom, and then he's got then the Columbo rich uncle. Was... Oh. But he's got the rich mm-hmm. uncle who uh, comes in once in a while. But then he decides to kill him. Once. Yeah, guest starring, guest yeah, starring I, Rip Torn as I, Uncle Leon. I, I would actually go one one step further that he Freddie is in a sitcom spinoff of a primetime uh soap opera starring rip torn a oh. dallas-esque style soap opera that they decided to spin off a a sitcom out of which is probably something you would do in the late 80s early oh, 90s oh gosh i think that's a thing i think that's it that's yes. pretty good that i actually, can think yeah. of it going the other way you know mm. no, i think of sitcoms that had serious spinoffs but i can't think of one of the going the other way hmm i mean it's it a serious like, show had a Definitely one would be a spinoff. You definitely have two shows at least going on here. And then, yeah. as John's theory goes, uh, one of the characters decides to like, uh, start acting out, perform a little murder, and that's when you get Columbo yeah. going like, nope, no, 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 you're done here. Stop. Nope. Uh, not happening. <laughs> and Columbo yep. comes. Actually, it might just be a collision between two shows. Oh, that could be. We, we talked about that another time, too, that when two shows kind of grow into each other, and it starts to deform them. Columbo comes in and kills them both. No, that's it. Stop. No, no. This is not how this goes. That's it. Keep them. Keep them separate. All right. So, right. Like some like genres do not uh, start uh, clumping together like that. Stop it. Yeah, Columbo. Can I? Did I ever tell you my chimp story? This is not related to the episode, but it's just about okay. chimps. Well, that's, that's an interesting way to start off a conversation. It's like, no, who's going to say, like, no, nah, I don't want to hear a chimp story. Oh, you told me all the time, John. No, I have t- I have two, and they're not really related to this, but they always stick out whenever I hear the word chimp. One was, I went into Barnes & Noble, and I was looking for a Jared Diamond. When it, look, I was looking for a chimp. I was looking for a Jared Diamond book called The Third Chimpanzee. Right? And I didn't know where to find it. It's kind of sociology, I guess. So I, I, went, to the, I went to the information desk. I asked them... You, you know, where would you have the third chimpanzee? And the the guy behind the desk just goes, the third what? <laughs> and this became me saying the word chimpanzee in every different way. Chimpanzee, <laughs> chimpanzee, chimpanzee, <laughs> chimpanzee, chimp, like a chimp, like the monkey, like the ape, a chimp. And when he would type it in and he go, oh, we don't have it. Oh, we have nothing like it. And I, I looked at his screen, like I took his screen and moved it. And he had written Whoa. Jim, Jim Pansy. What? <laughs> like the name Jim Why? and then the flower Pansy. He had never heard even, the word chimpanzee before. If you had written the words Jim Pansy together, wouldn't you go, oh, chimpanzee? Yes, because that's what they and, sound yeah. like. They sound which, by like the, the way, name of an animal. 
I have never in all my days been able to pronounce chimpanzee correctly since then. Because <laughs> I constantly change it thinking, is it chimpanzee? Chimpanzee? I'm out. That guy ruined me. <laughs> That's so weird. The other one was, I was at the San Diego Zoo. My wife and I were at the zoo. So, yeah, okay, and you know so how some... been, there's already a zoo involved. Some of this one actually involves a involves real a chip. chimp. It kind of does. Okay, good. Uh, you know kinda. how you go into oh, some... No. You go into some public places sometimes, and you just you're next to a stranger, and you can't get away from them for some reason. Yeah, like you like we're gonna you see them going left, you're like I'm gonna go right, and then you end up next to them five minutes later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was this there was this family, and they were uh, they had like three young kids, and they were really of the, you know, the, look Jimmy, look at the giraffe, isn't the giraffe silly? Look at the silly giraffe, look at the isn't the giraffe silly? It's like some pre-verbal kid. And we, they were in the the primate area, and they kept calling every primate a monkey, which is a pedantic thing. But we would just hear over and over, look at the like they go to the orangutan and be like, look at the monkey, isn't the monkey funny? Look at the silly monkey. And then the gorillas, look at the monkey, look at the silly monkey. And the whole time I'm like, would you call something an ape? I wouldn't mind hearing you if you just said ape. So I finally hear, isn't isn't that a fun? Look at the ape. Look at the funny ape. And I go look to where to see where they are. They're at the tapir cage. Oh my god! Which is <laughs> that is I believe they're related to hippos. There is nothing <laughs> primate like about them. Oh. <laughs> but then again, I also remember the Philly Zoo had a had a honey badger in their primate house. So yeah, we we would do that. Well, here, honey I'm badger sure. don't care. I'm sure we do <laughs> that. <laughs> We're like we're standing outside looking at the name. We're like, what kind of monkey is that? And then, and then comes a freaking honey badger. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad that story ended up with Philadelphia fucking something up. That's great. <laughs> anyway, Columbo. As it would, yeah. Anywho, there, there um, was some good Columboing. Oh in yes, this some great Columboing. Uh, Peter Falk was very, very good in this episode. Doing good detective oh, work. Yeah. Dude, yeah, it was wonderful oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a knack for picking the, the better procedural ones on the show. So and this one, this one has, yeah, this one has some, like, uh, good procedural stuff and plus some, like, good standard Columbo things, like a lot of uh, things involving Mrs. Columbo, a lot of great stuff involving the car. Yeah, no, no, there's a lot of that in here. They're mm-hmm. just really good, yeah. And, and it also has some of my favorite things. that they, they did this better in the 90s, I think, than they did in the 70s, which is Columbo with other cops. Oh yes, um, yeah. Yes. Where he totally Marge Gunderson's them. Where he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know? no, yes, definitely, yes. Yeah, go ahead, talk about that because it's, it's a good uh, scene. Yeah, yeah. So that initial scene in the you know when uh, when they you know looking at Freddie's body and the and the scene and they're looking at the the bathtub and you know the guy's like, well, he just you know slipped and hit his head and Columbo just. Very nonchalantly, do you guys use a back brush? Back brushes are awesome, guys. <laughs> oh, also, if that's the way it happened, he would have been getting into the tub, not already been in the tub. Right. And uh, we're missing this and this and like, right. hey, how come if the bath oil is in there? Use the bath oil after you take the bath, not before you take the bath. And like, and the watch so too. Great. And he recognizes yeah. being a very expensive watch that there's no right. serial number on the back, so he saw that, had them bag it up immediately. Yes. Yes. Everything. Mm-hmm. He was like right. It, it was it was great to see Columbo actually bag and tag evidence. Um, I always l- am refreshed when he does that. Yeah, because that's not super common. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When he actually follows some sort of police procedure, as opposed to just like jamming something in. Yeah. And also, and, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And and I was just gonna add to he he figured out it was ripped torn right away. That was the other yeah. great thing. <laughs> Actually, I'm curious about that because I was thinking about that today, uh, walking home from work. Uh, when did you guys think that he knew it was him? Like how soon? When Rip well, Torn fake cried. Like it oh, you think it was that like early? Saw oh. right through it. I oh. think Columbus saw right through the act. Um, I think that's why Columbo came back to the jewelry shop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Like I don't know if he knew at that point, but maybe this is what Columbo does: is when he gets kind of sure, mm-hmm. he'll just he'll follow up, and that's when he knows for sure. So that so might have been another so, thing. That, I'm sorry. I just thought it might be another thing that made this a really interesting episode is that I don't think there was a that's the moment. I think it was he had a longer period of figuring out that this was his guy. Because I could see him like being suspicious at the uh, crying thing when he first informs Rip Torn that the yeah. baby has been killed. Because so I thought Rip Torn did an amazing job of faking that. Like the acting yeah. part of it I thought was great. So I could see um, where when Columbo comes back to the store and then realizes, oh, he just came into $30 million and being a very yeah. suspicious about that. Because I love that scene in the jewelry store because that just feel that felt to me like um, uh, two longtime professional actors just uh, fucking around with each other back and forth. That whole thing mm-hmm. where it's like, you didn't know. Oh, I said to my son, that's crazy. <laughs> like It just felt like they were just messing around being two actors who knew each other and were doing just weird stuff playing back and forth. But I could also see that scene being played as like, oh, Columbo's just like not buying a single second of that. But the way they actually did it beyond characters, acting-wise, it just felt like they were just having fun in that scene, just going back and forth on that with each other. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, actually, I kind of want to, I want this to be a, the reality that Torn and Falk were just kind of goofing off, and then Torn decided, I'm going to do the whole thing in a weird southern accent. Yeah, and then I can they see just that. Go, yeah. They just go yes, and tell Betsy, you know, Betsy yeah. Palmer, she's like, you're going to be southern now, honey. <laughs> yeah, no, I could definitely see so, that, because it seems like, it seems like uh, Rip Torn would be the type who would do that. Yeah, so, oh, but, yeah. Do you think but, he's unpredictable and volatile, RJ? No, I don't know where I get that impression. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'll take a uh, hammer to you, John. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I, right. well, my my favorite Falk thing that he does in this episode, though, is I mean, and he's awesome in this episode. Oh, he's but great. he does it Wonderful. to both yeah. when when Rip Torn fake cries and Julie Rose fake cries. Oh, in both in both scenes, he just stands there puffing on a cigar, staring at them mm. and clearly not buying it for a second. And they both think, of course, that he is completely sold on their performances. Yeah. Well, but, uh, Jamie Rose is even awesome. worse because they even do like, the shot of her like looking out of the corner of her eye. And actually, I have to say, uh, Jamie Rose, kind of the weakest terrible. link of this episode. She's a terrible actress. Terrible. I do. I, I do want to see her. her she had a cop show, which is what I was going to recommend. We we really? start reviewing next. It was called Lady <laughs> Blue. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sure. That is the that is the proper response. Uh, and I know nothing else about it, but she played uh, the main character, Katie Mahoney, hmm. and it looks like just a, it's a mid eighties thing. Uh, it looks like what you think it looks like. Syndicated and, or network. 
network, but Danny oh. Aiello was on it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, didn't, I, like I didn't think Jamie Rose did that bad a job. I think I called her Julie earlier, which is wrong. But anyway, I didn't think she did that bad a she job. She ain't listening. Uh, You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> considering that the the writing for her character is pretty awful. Yeah, it um, is bad. It, it's, it's, well, let's... That's, the writing is a pretty weak link in her character. She's very inconsistent. Like, is she conniving? Is she psychotic? Is she mm-hmm. like in right. it because she loves Rick Horn, or is it, or is she kind of in it for the kick of yeah. killing her ex husband and getting away with that? Is she just into just rubbing uh, glasses of champagne <laughs> yeah. on her leg in a bath? They they just kind of play her. She they they write it in like ev- like. You know, there's a lot of Columbo episodes where the killer has a a woman who's the accomplice, but they always have one motive, and she has like twelve, and yeah. <laughs> that's hard. Sometimes to she's act. sometimes she's really hard boiled. Sometimes she's really panicky. Sometimes she's real like childlike. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's really all over the map, and it it feels like a little bit. There's a lazy writing thing well, where let's... because you have. Let's take this well, just, because, chance to because address you have a woman, the, staff. the writers. All right, the staff. I have the staff their, of this I have episode. Stuff here, John. If you have their uh, past credits yeah. for '90s Columbos, please oh. elucidate us. Well, Vincent McGeevity is your your serial killer. Uh, all of his work is in the '90s. Yeah, that includes A Trace of Murder. We haven't seen that yet. Strange Bedfellows. That's our big finisher. <laughs> oh yes, it's our white whale. Under yeah. Undercover. Ugh. The 87th Precinct uh, adaptation. Uh, it's all in the game. Uh, a controversial Faye Dunaway episode. A yeah. bird in the hand. Which actually, don't, have we done that one yet? We I don't think we've done, done a bird no, in the hand. Yeah. We have not yet done a bird in the hand. Uh, uh, Death hits the jackpot, of course. And rest in peace, Mrs. Columbo. Oh, that's a director. Another that's... another controversial one. And the writer. Um as for our writers, there is uh, well, let's say Robert Van Scoyk. Yeah, because we just recently talked about one of his freaking gems. Yeah. Yep, uh, Jeffrey Bloom, who is a professional magician, right. uh, <laughs> which <laughs> is right. always delightful to me. Has but he did not three... do Columbo Goes the Guillotine. Would you think he would have right. done that one? But no, nope, nope, nope. Uh, besides, Death Hits the Jackpot. Columbo Goes to College, which I oh. think we can figure is another kind of. Um, uh, we did not like it, but a lot of folks do. But a lot of folks do. That's a, that's a fan favorite. I know. It is a fan favorite. We were not a huge... Yeah. Anyway. But he did write Agenda for Murder, which, of course, is oh, the last... Oh, that one was pretty it. fun. Yeah. It was a fun one. But let's get to Robert Van Scoik. This is a guy who... Uh, we've only seen um, uh, two episodes by him. Right. And we like one and we hate the other. Yeah. Because one is Murder Under Glass, 1978... That's good. Which That's a wonderful is, episode. Right, it's a real good episode. That's where the sexy dad theory started. That's all oh, right. All oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and of course, no time to die. The other eighty-seventh. Oh boy, the one we just talked about. And I don't know awful. if you yep. can hear my thumb actually pointing <laughs> down on the microphone, but that's yeah. But now knowing that he wrote both of those, that explains why he's a jolly good fellow appears in this episode yes, too. He's got yes, a thing it, for yes, that. It does. <laughs> maybe it makes you want to. To rewatch a Murder Under Glass and see if that song shows up in that at some point. <laughs> at some point. I, you know what? I'm willing to bet it does, even yeah, though it's it twenty does. years difference. It's it's yeah, it's his weird little like a uh, like a uh, tick. His tell, his tell, Robert Van Skoik's tell is for he's a jolly good fellow. Somehow, 
It's probably he's, it's he's probably written a lot of TV. Maybe it's in everything he's ever written. Wouldn't Wouldn't that that be amazing? It's his see you next Wednesday. His signature. Yes! Exactly! (laughs) Yes! His annoying, (laughs) terrible see you next Wednesday. How did he work it into the Virginian? He just did. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought to to see if he'd seen everything else. He has two episodes of Love, Sydney under his belt. Oh, see, that was a good show. Yeah, it was a really good show. I don't remember all of the episodes, but I remember it being good. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Hmm. Rafferty, which he did a bunch of Ellery Queens, Beretta, Banachek. Uh, I'm sure he's. Banachek, I'm sure he's yeah. fine. He's only done three. It's just we really hate that one. Yeah. So. But yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So, anyway. I'm actually more in Amanda Reyes's camp on that one. So you know. That's... Which one? On No Time to Die. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, please yeah. go. Please. Uh, well, let's uh, talk just about that. Not to. Not to completely digress, I I liked watching. Oh, oh yeah, because we never do that on this program. <laughs> I literally I just, just like talked about chimps for two hours. Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. Sorry, Alex. I, I just my I like Columbo best when he's being an investigator and uh, when he you know watching him puzzle out a thing where that did not involve having to put on you know the Columbo character um, and instead just you know be himself investigating i i like that aspect of it oh, i wouldn't really defend yeah. like the plot or anything but i like the columbo parts of it he's just being yeah, a copying a detective yeah i could yeah. see that yeah 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 i think that was that's what we all kind of came to is that falk had a really good portrayal in that episode but everything else was kind of at least whatever was done well was still a misstep mm. yeah yeah all right back to back to our little friend here uh death hits the jackpot okay right uh i do want to point out by the way the anniversary you're right. Right, yeah. It's his twenty fifth wife's twenty fifth anniversary, and I was saying like, really? But then I I did the math, and that would have been nineteen sixty six. That actually that might mm-hmm. work. That actually, is, does not seem like a implausible thing. That, unless that... you're unless you're Kate Mulgrew, right? <laughs> yes, right. Who was who was born in nineteen fifty five and would have been eleven years old, right? But that's when she not, married Columbo. That's not canon, it's canon as the kids it's canon. say. It's not. It's canon. Yes, it's not. It is OTP, guys. OTP. What, okay, what, wait, what is OTP? What is that? What, one that true is. pairing. One true pairing. Wait, what? I Okay, what the hell does that mean? I don't know what that means. That, that means in canon or in continuity, there's two characters that you decide are meant for each other, and no matter what else happens to those characters story-wise, they belong together in your mind. Oh, I hate the internet. I hate the internet <laughs> so much. All right. I my, my entire career is working on stuff on the internet, and I just can't stand the internet. All right, sure. Nope. Sure, why not? I, OTP. I, I refuse to accept that. I'm sorry. Yes. Not, not I'm with it. you. Oh. I'm so, with you, Mr. But that, Knapp. that does... Uh, I, if, if we assume Columbo's the same age as Peter Falk, which, why not? Um, sure, sure. Yeah, that, yeah. that does fit in well with this idea that, uh, that, that Peter Falk, uh, that Columbo was... I, you know, originally from New York, which I think is pretty strongly implied. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to think that he moved to L.A. for Mrs. Columbo. Oh, I like that. I like that story yeah. a lot. My, yes. my own personal, my own personal head canon is is that Mrs. <laughs> Columbo. I think Mrs. Columbo comes from a rich family, and uh, oh. I hmm. think that he exonerated her. You know, put away oh. one of his first high class baddies, and that's how he met his wife. Oh my god! 
And the family, of course, disowned her for marrying the guy who brought shame and ruination to the family, the detective, of course, not the guy who actually murdered someone. Right. right. And uh, so she still has those refined tastes and things like opera and classical music and Except all that. Except for bowling. All that stuff. And bowling, well, you know, she picked well, up Columbia. some stuff from Columbo. Yeah. She probably she picked made, up some or, stuff or from Or maybe her, she like. uh, had a bowling class at her, like, a little private school sure. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, you got to figure that she probably picked up a love of bowling and chili from Colombo, and he picked up the love of opera from her, and you know they have a nice little uh, sharing of high and low class things. And oh my and god, I love this story. Nice and compatible. And That's, so we've never. Oh my god, I never, love that story. That's great. We've never polled our readers, but we really should poll them as to how what they think the backstory is with with. Uh, Detective and and Mrs. Columbus. We don't need to. This is the one. This is it. <laughs> that's a good one. That's that, it. That's, that's it. That's flat out it. I like so it. It's I, one of the. It, it wow. explains a whole lot. And yes, I think they that if they're the late in life. I think they're a late in life couple. Um, mm-hmm. Explains a lot. And he would have been thirty nine. Yeah, and huh. and I just think that a whole uh, him, you know, her being from a high class family, and then him just making it like because he loves his wife so much, he's made it his specialty. To take down other rich bastards. And, oh, uh, oh, I like this. This is great. Yeah, this is I really love good. this story. So that that is my that is my fan fiction backstory. <laughs> Are you listening, Hollywood? <laughs> I'll write no. this movie. There I, it it's is. all plotted and everything. There you go. Mark Ruffalo, call me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, for sure. Oh man, I love that story. Actually, that's oh. Make my chest hurt a little bit. That's a nice one. I like that a lot. It is really sweet, yeah. Oh, my God. Although, well, okay, I gotta we're going to be honest. this episode. We'll talk about that now. So, I... Sorry, John. <laughs> I, would like to, I would like the story to be Mrs. Columbo in some way saved Columbo. I don't know how, but I like yeah. the idea that he saves everybody, or he speaks for all the dead, and he gets all the bad guys behind bars, and maybe she did something for him that, you know, no one else was able to do, and I don't know what that would be. So again, if you're one of our listeners. Or she just had a nice pair of cans. Oh, RJ. Maybe that's it. Not in the 21st century, sir. I know I. Hey, uh, speaking of Columbo traditions, uh, where does Columbo end up in the middle of this one? <laughs> At a funeral. Uh, that's At a right. funeral. Yes. At a weird funeral. Funerals too. At a weird funeral where the ex-wife is not super subtle about licking her lips yeah. In a creepy yeah. 90s Tawny Katayan Showtime Cinemax movie <laughs> way. At well, Rift she's Horn. on her own now, so. Right, but still, it's like, ugh, <laughs> ugh. It's like, come on, I feel like, dial it down a little bit. I kind of, I kind of feel like, because, you know, there's not multiple cameras of that. They're shooting everything with one camera. Right. And I feel like Torn, again, was just harassing them. And he's like, I'm going to give a smile. And he does like kind of a knowing smile, and they cut back to Jamie Rose, and they're like, "All right, well, you got to do something to to him that makes him smile." And then she just kind of does this pantomime, uh, seductress stuff, right? Because she knows she knows what gets Rip Torn going. Yeah, <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? He, who wouldn't know what gets Rip Torn? He's oh. pretty exceptionally handy in the hotel scene. Oh my god, the hotel scene! <laughs> he Jesus. really is. That was just good. When I when I grabbed the screen cap, I managed to get oh, no. his hand jutting under her belt. Oh, God. Oh, it no. really is exceptional. Oh, exceptional is <laughs> one word for it, I suppose. Yeah. Rip Torn was at, a, was at that interesting stage of how he looked. Yeah. You know, it, you know, 
he was, you know, and a lot of, I guess that happens to every guy where they're, they're no longer young, but they're not old yet, but they haven't quite, they've either set, not settled into middle age looks yet, or they've passed middle age. Well, and the weird thing is too, cause I looked it up. This was, uh, Larry Sanders didn't premiere until like 1992. So it was just after this. And so he wasn't at the point yet where everybody was like, Rip Torn is amazing quite yet. Right. He was this guy who had just done, you know, stuff here and there over the years. And so he wasn't arty yet. And so it seems strange. Yeah. Like, it's just really, like, what the hell was the guy maybe thinking at that point? They'd probably shot some of the Larry Sanders stuff, but you had no idea it was going to become this, like, sort of institutional phenomenon. Yeah. And he was just doing like, yeah, I did this like uh, murder of the week Columbo thing. <laughs> you know, the week, uh, a couple of weeks when I wasn't shooting this new HBO first season series, the stand up comic, whatever the hell that's going to be. So it, it just, I get, it's kind of a weird in between thing, I think, for him, which I, I wonder what the thinking was there. I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to say here, but it just seems like it was a weird thing because it was just on the cusp of him becoming like, oh, it's Rip Torn, who everybody loves from yeah. Larry Sanders' show which I think in his later life really just kind of did a huge amount for his career and that sort of thing. So it's this weird kind of transitional yeah. period for him, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Which hats off to him because he was 60. Right. When this yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So he had this entire... Cause he had plugging this and away, then, yeah. kids. <laughs> and, and he did the, this, and then after like years and years later, he had the Don Geist thing on 30 Rock and a bunch of other... You know, guest shots because everybody loved him from Larry Sanders when he'd been working for like, you know, like 40 years, just being ripped torn pretty much and doing stuff <laughs> like going after uh, Norman Mailer with a hammer for the most part. <laughs> just odd experimental films who, and that sort of thing. Who wouldn't? Yeah, I would. I would. <laughs> I'd go after him now in the grave with a hammer. My goodness. Kind of a, he's a jerk. He was a jerk. But yeah, <laughs> nah, I, I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the uh, mailer children. I wouldn't go after <laughs> your grandpa with a hammer in the grave. <laughs> oh my god, what a way to phrase it. In case any of Rip Torn's grandchildren. No, no, in case any of Norman Mailers. Norman, Norman Mailer, I'm Torn. sorry. Rip Torn's still with us. I have to wait I was a just few laugh. years. I was, I I was to laughing wait. too hard. To I have to wait 10 attention. or 15 years to go after Rip Torn in the grave. But now <laughs> I could, I could uh, take a train up to New York State and go after... Norman uh, Mailer's grave with a hammer. This is our weirdest the episode deep soil, yet. The deep soil. The deep soil of... Anyway, yes. So I decided, yeah. by the way, that uh, it wasn't a sitcom everybody invaded. It was uh, all the... The apartment building was full of all the other ethnic super friends that didn't make it. <laughs> okay, so sure. That's how come you got McGinty. You had, a, you had the Irish superhero and his, and his wonder monkey. You had the Italian superhero and his wonder mom. Uh, I assume everyone else was like Lithuanian or something. Oh, you know what? I've got. Another, I think oh, Trish I... is Norwegian. I think the the oh. actress who plays Trish is either from Norway or Denmark or something like that. John, I've got a counter offer. Okay. That that, uh, that building, that uh, warehouse building with all lofts in Los Angeles. Oh, it's hell, it's... and they're all damned. Okay. <laughs> it's full of. <laughs> it's it's full of. Uh, neighbors from other sitcoms that were canceled throughout the 1980s. Oh, there you go. It's a halfway oh, house. Nice. It's a halfway house yeah. for na for wacky neighbors from failed 90s sitcoms. They all ended up there. Yeah. 
Gary Kroger fits into that argument. He's the horny neighbor who's always got to get rich quick scheme. There you go. He's uh, who was the guy um, on Family Ties who was like the best friend and kind of squirrely of Alex oh, Keaton's best friend. Oh, I was played by Timothy Busfield. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't he, remember his name. Freddie yeah, is yeah. like that guy grown up. That's could be. Yeah. Could be. Though I have to say, um, Gary Kroger. I really liked him on Saturday Night Live. That might not be a popular opinion, but I thought he was a very solid player. And and one of my most memorable Saturday Night Live bits is his. Okay. Um, it was this episode, I think uh, George Carlin was hosting, and so for some reason they had him be the main Weekend Update anchor. And Gary Kroger comes on uh, to read this very earnest statement uh, for some sort of association uh, for people who suffer from spot bleeding. And as he's talking, uh, he's wearing a white Oxford dress shirt, and these red dots slowly form and spread and get worse and worse as he's being very serious and talking about how it's a terrible condition. And then at some point, um, Carl interrupts and like, hey, Kroger, right? Is that a new shirt? Yeah. You take the pins out? And Gary Kroger... <laughs> and Gary Kroger just sort of looks down and looks embarrassed, and, and George Carlin is like, Kroger, you're an idiot. And that's the end of it. <laughs> and I remember that as one of my favorite Saturday Night Live bits. <coughs> Gary Kroger, such a good he played it so well. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to this day, I still remember as being like one of my favorite sketches on there. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's just such a nice, solid joke. And so dumb. And just, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. So Gary Kroger, speaking of, you uh, for that. Uh, speaking of dumb and I loved it. Uh, the gotcha in this episode. The what? The it's, what in this episode? The gotcha. The gotcha in this oh, episode. Oh, yes, yes. The chimp's fingerprint. But that is the I, greatest thing. But it, to me, it's better, because you watch this, and you think, like, oh, it's going to be something that the chimp recognize him. But I like yeah. this, though, because it's actually a bit more scientific than that. So I like that they yeah, did that it this way instead. <laughs> that would probably hold it's, up in court and everything. Yeah, yeah the, the fingerprints. Oh, sure, definitely. Plus, plus his accomplice, like straight out, <laughs> basically confessing to the crime. Right. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the fact that uh, at the end he just completely just drops it and is like, "All right, whatever. Yeah, I did it. Her. She's just trying to get the money now." He just completely just bails on her. Yeah. Knowing that the jig is up and that's it. Done. <laughs> finished. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Take that's always away. such a, a wincing moment, but that's also very Hitchcockian, by the way. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's really a wince moment whenever you're watching TV and or a movie, and one of the killers gets tricked into confessing, and you're always like, oh, just be a little smarter, man. Right. But she's even being like, no, shut up, Ixnay. No, no, right. no, no, no. And he's like, I don't care. She just completely <laughs> this and this and this. Ah, Root and toot. I mean, yeah. Great if Rip Torn was just like tugging his collar, going, hi, hi. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, this is a pretty good episode, and we're falling into that thing where it's hard to talk about a really good episode. Right, yes. Um, so let's bring up, I'm looking at my notes, bring up some things. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that uh, the oddness of Rip Torn, uh, his whole uh, job being that he owns a very, very fancy high-end jewelry store in Beverly Hills is such an odd conceit. And the fact that you start out... They set up his money problems by just having him get some sort of fax from his broker right. and never You're getting bro- never getting more specific than just saying, like, I'm broke. I'm dead broke. 
Wait, why? What? No, wait, how are you dead broke? But yeah, that, then, and then like, a, a second later, it's just such a nice, blunt thing. That's what makes it great, though, because he's really not broke. No, I mean, no. he could downsize the house, fire oh, one of his oh, dozen oh. servants. Oh, or, yeah, right? or, or, or he's got a huge staff at his jewelry store who are manufacturing jewelry in the back room. Make that a bit smaller. You could do some cost-cutting measures. You could figure Out, out a way. Outsource that to Asia. Come exactly, on. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so Get a robot so... to do it. Do something, right? Right, that's what is so <laughs> strange to me. So he's he's not broke, he's just greedy. And I think yes, that's what... Exactly. Well, that's like, there's a bunch of rich killers in Colombo that pretend poverty when clearly they have millions in assets. Right. right. But, yes, yeah. I mean, if that's, if that's not the essence of the class war, then I don't think, I don't know what else oh, is. Oh, right, definitely, yeah. And even it, yeah, and the class thing between the nephew and the uncle here, too, is like, oh, the uncle comes in some money, and the uncle just wants more and more and more. Mm-hmm. He obviously right. could figure out a way to get through it, whereas his nephew is just not able to make rent. You yeah. know, he's just living month to I month. Have, yeah. I had this moment, too, alimony where... to his Rich uncle's girlfriend, I might yes! have. Yes! Oh, my God. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Why he's paying alimony, though. They're not divorced. Uh, the, you know, the thing was, when when Torn is obviously going to make the offer and then Renege and kill the guy, I was thinking how much, if I had a relative who came to me and I was impoverished, I was completely wiped out, and they said, I've got $30 million, I want to keep it from my ex-wife, can you help me launder it, basically? And I was thinking, you know, I'd do it for a million dollars. I'd do it for one million out of the 30 million. And then Kroger offers him 10%, 10%? which is 30, That's which is three million. Yeah. And I'm like, at that point, if even if I were planning to kill him for the whole 30, it would be less work to just take the three. Right, right, exactly, yeah. And you'd be fine, so... Less work, and also you wouldn't have to go through the trouble of planning an elaborate Halloween party, wearing right? your costume, keeping the powdered wig on as you murder your nephew, and Yield then number seven. having the nephew recover, having to see his horrified eyes under the water of the bathtub, and then having to press it and actually do even more work and watch mm-hmm. him die. This guy who is your, like, dead sister's son that you're now taking the life from him. Yep. That's what makes it, like, one of the more disturbing murders in the series, I think. Because he wakes I up, do... he comes out of it. Who who, the, who he raised, even. Yeah, they yeah. Talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think the stories about uh, Freddy being, like, Freddy renting the limo and looking at houses, do you think that was just an off-the-cuff fabrication? I think it was because yeah. Rip Torn kept lying. Is like, right. no, I taught him how to do oh, that. That was astonishing. Right. Like the, that, the worst decision. <laughs> yeah, that was a nightmare. Oh, that's uh, my camera. Yeah. I taught him how to take photographs. Like no. But then no, I remember no, he no. did that. Like the first time Columbo connected him with the being the lottery winner. Right. He he tells us, oh, I called my son. My wife wasn't home. Like don't. You just gave him something to check. Right, yeah. that's the thing. I wrote that down, yes. It's like, that was easily, he's easily able to call Rip Torn's son and daughter, who we never see, and say like, hey, so uh, did he call you that night? Like, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And, as for, and you know, Columbo never checks up on it, because it never comes up again, because Columbo knows it's completely, like, just made out of whole cloth. Yeah. Well, I always assume Columbo follows up on everything, even if we don't see it. Right, and that actually like, comes up a lot, that you then yeah. find out later he did. Yeah. 
like I'm pretty sure in Murder by the Book, he went through every one of those mob guys and ruled out any mob <laughs> Probably, <yeah>. possibility. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I would have no problem talking to him too. Yeah. I was like, ah, I don't in care Italian, about stuff. In Italian, let's go to, oh, let's sure, go to yes. uh, Italian Mom, because I really love Italian Mom. I loved it. I got so happy when he finally uh, came out as Italian to the mother. Yeah, and he won her over like that. In oh. a second. Oh, my God. It was like, And she was so happy. Like, an Italian policeman. Oh, my God. She hated him up to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think and she hates as, everybody. So, and then as soon as he spoke Italian to her at the funeral, she loved him. Tried to set him up with her niece, who is 58 and has piano, piano legs. legs. Yes, that's right, which is great. And she even thought it was amusing. He was taking the photos yeah. at the wake. She thought, oh, that's fun. <laughs> oh, actually, the, uh, the I have a bunch of notes about the Italian guy because his stage Italian accent was astonishing. Ah. And I wrote I wrote down one line. He said... Where did he get a that kind of the money? <laughs> it's the Wario? money. What is part. that? That's, it's, Where yeah. did he get a that kind of the money? That was amazing. I just I almost cheered because it was such a beautiful sentence. And was that was that in the uh, was that in the wake or was that at the funeral? Yeah, that was in the wake because oh. he showed the the box of champagne that was the same champagne, by the way, that Creighton, that Creighton had bought to oh, murder really? his wife in Murder of a Rockstar. Yeah, it was. Oh. I recognize the labels. They're the nice. same deals. Oh my god, that's great. That's fun. Did, did you did you happen to notice by the way that Rip Torn brought the bottle yes. he hit Freddy with back to the party? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just dropped it in a yep. ice chest and oh, that's, that's, a, terrible, that's a good way to get rid idea. of it. Yeah. Yep. Oh my god. And Just and that so party old. that party of theirs made me hate rich people so much. Which I think that was a point. Oh yeah, everybody... this is your favorite millionaire, and all the people working there <sighs> as servants and uh, footmen and footwomen just looked like I hate everyone here. Which I yeah, there's a nothing. Lot. Yeah, I can't think of a more miserable contemporary job like at the low level. I guess actually I can think of hundreds, but right, certainly like just for a, a meaningless, a needless insult to pride is having to dress up like a footman. Yes, to serve right. can- canapes at a party. And, and yeah, but th- then there's like some, there's like a really great old fashioned joke at that party too. When uh, Columbo comes in, they're like, oh, who is he dressed as? And like, oh, I guess an eccentric millionaire in his filthy clothes. And But then there's like this guy who's just wasted drunk. And it's like, yeah, he is. And he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Who am I supposed to be? Like the guy couldn't remember what his costume was because he had had so much booze. <laughs> we did get a good Colonel Sanders costume, though. So. Oh God, that was Colonel interesting. Sanders and the Ex- weird chicken lady. Yeah. His his Ooh. Colonel Sanders though was wearing a cowboy hat. That's their next ad campaign. His formal wear. That's their next ad campaign. Will be that. It'll be. Uh, I'm not sure which comic actor from the '90s will be playing that. But sure. I'm pretty sure. Paulie Shore. Like, that's going to be the Paul, next Paulie Shore uh, in their next ad God, campaign. I, it's going to be Colonel Billy Sanders. Zane is kind of your apex there. I, well, I have just you seen feel... the new ones with um, Rob Lowe? The astronauts. No, it just came out today. I think astronaut based ones with Rob Lowe. This is such uh, a weird cultural phenomenon that this yes. has become like a thing we all talk about. They should have just stopped with Norm Macdonald and have had him do them the entire time. Yeah, that's it. I do yes. like myself some Norm Macdonald. Yeah. 
Anyway. Hey. No, he's it's the Norm MacDonald as Colonel Sanders podcast. Welcome, everybody. I was actually, I was actually thinking about whether Norm MacDonald would make a good killer on oh, Columbo. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, fall my guy. God, John. Fall guy. Fall guy, I, uh, not killer. I, uh, he, I he's a him. fall guy because no one likes him. He's he's the right. guy that the, that the killer tries to frame. Oh, no baby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I really want to hear the confession just for that. I, uh, I stabbed him. I uh, stabbed hey, him with a knife. I stabbed a guy. Yeah, I stabbed a guy. Whatever. Yeah. 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 All right, fist him. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be amazing. Oh, McDonald. Oh my God, that'd be so good. <laughs> oh um, Lord. There's a there's a small thing in this episode that I think was the first thing <clears throat> that annoyed me in the sense of this is a well shot episode, and you're you know That's mentioning a, yeah. like bringing bringing the bottle back and uh, disposing of it, or a shot where Torn is looking in the mirror and Nancy comes in behind him. Right. It's really well shot. So the one scene that annoyed me was, you know, the rule when somebody is playing piano on a TV show, don't show their hands. Oh, she doesn't match you, up. You always, and you saw her hands the whole time. Ah. And she might, you know, the thing is, because you don't even know what music you're going to be playing. Plus, you don't want to play music while someone's trying to act and talk. Oh, it, just, it really annoyed me because it was just it was a kind it was a sloppy thing that they didn't have to do because the rest of the episode was so good and that made it stick out to me. Well, I mean, they even had a, um, a Goodfellas esque thing like with a huge long tracking shot as um, Rip Torn mm-hmm. goes through the house thanking everyone. That shot yeah, that just goes good. on and on and on. I kept waiting for it to cut. He yeah, was on his way. To, didn't. Yeah, on his way to the these. Mexican border. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is a really hard episode to talk about, especially because, but I, we're touring because it's not on Netflix and nothing's on Netflix anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think people that can find it somewhere. You can pick up the complete series of Columbo on Amazon for like 40 bucks. Yeah. Do it. Oh, well, Just go out. And yes. Yeah. But I mean, also, you can probably find it lying around the floor of the internet somewhere if you want to see it. Or, or just move move to Britain. And, yeah, you know, that's a way to do it. Somewhere. Yeah, you actually see it more <laughs> often. Well, actually, I think this, these are these ninety one. They've been running them a lot more on Hallmark and I think MeTV. Mm-hmm. So they've been showing up hey, a we, lot more on might, that recently. We might get in luck because there was, you know, they played No Time to Die the day that we released the No Time to Die episode. So. Right, I nice. think that was. I can't remember the sequence. Was this before that or vice versa? Do you, do you mean if this did this episode Aaron, come before? Yeah, I think these two aired. Uh, it's in right a row. after. It's right. Sorry, right before. So this one was Death before Di- No Time to Die. Yeah, right. The, it was. It was the first uh, special, and No Time to Die was the second Columbus. Oh, that's shifting out of clutch. You watch just like, oh, hey, these are still good, and then yeah. you see No Time to Die, you're like. Sorry, Alex. And you see No Time to Die, and it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. All right, I, I guess I won't watch the rest of these. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a couple interesting things about Columbo investigating uh, Larry. Or Larry. I keep saying Larry because now I'm thinking of him as the horny sitcom neighbor. <laughs> so I'm picturing the guy from Three's Company. Uh, so there's a safety pin on Columbo's glasses. Right. Yeah, what's yeah, with that? Because Columbo's sloppy. It took sloppy. me forever to figure it yeah. out. Yeah, no. it's because his glasses fell apart and he lost the screw. So he's using a he's safety using pin. a safety pin. Safety pin his eyeglasses. Yeah, he's wearing the old man glasses. The safety pin. It's that wonderful. Is great. Yes, that is great. But uh, also, they dyed his hair afterwards. His what? his hair is a sandy gray in that scene, and then it's brown the rest of the episode. I didn't notice it. Oh, really? Oh, yep. 
I have the photos. Like I noticed it, but I, I had to wait until I had the screen caps. In the when he's at um, uh, Torn's mansion for the party, his hair is back to old Columbo Brown. When he's investigating the murder scene, it's a sandy gray. Oh, that's a shame. It's well, he's sandy gray. You know, I know, but I mean, actually, yeah. you know what? Now that I'm looking at it, I think they filmed all of the apartment scenes on the same day, which they will do, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Because when he's I have a picture of him holding up the case of champagne, and his hair is back to that sandy gray. Oh! But every other scene, it's dark. Okay. Yeah, when he's, mm. he's like when he's rooting through the um, the apartment while they're doing the uh, um, wake, and the only the guy from Cheers is bothered by like, hey, this cop's just going through everything. Everybody, <laughs> is anybody, anybody, uh, paying attention to the fact that he's just like going through the closets and going through drawers. This cop is just wandered in here. Doing that? These are the kinds of bohemian artists who are just perfectly comfortable around cops. Right, singing Where Are All the Flowers Gone? <laughs> oh, that was awful. My God. Uh, there must have been so much weed in that apartment building. I'm shocked. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Columbo wasn't turning over bongs every even, five even, seconds. Even, the, even the, the monkey, too. Or the chimp, rather. Well, they <laughs> the, the chimp, chimp drink. Connection. The chimp drink, the chimp drink uh, champagne. Whiskey. Was it champagne or whiskey? It was champagne. Whiskey. She had the champagne glass. Champagne. It's like, oh. Also, I I do feel obligated to mention, since uh, I do write about science at Forbes now, too. uh, Don't have a chimpanzee as a pet. No. It's a really bad idea. (laughs) Oh, I would guess so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. For for both practical and moral reasons, don't have a chimpanzee. (laughs) And don't dress it in a kilt. If you do, really don't do that. They don't want to wear They don't want to wear kilts. They don't want to be wearing stuff like that. And they don't want to they don't want to witness murders. Either the proud, the proud McChimp line, the proud clan of McPrimate. Yeah, exactly. McGinty, McGinty. I love uh, it because it's just such a like a, it's just such a like a nineteen forties or fifties radio sitcom name. McGinty. Oh, McGinty. McGinty like, like, like Jack Benny show minor character with his chimp. It, then it, <laughs> then when he gets older, you know he's old man McGinty, right? Oh, that's right. Own, yes. Owner of the haunted amusement park, exactly. As yep. a ghost drum up business. Yep. <laughs> All those <laughs> kids. Yep. Oh, so so basically, this is the ho- this is the apartment where all the uh, wacky sitcom neighbors go to die, but McGinty somehow got loose. Right. Becomes old man McGinty and haunts a lot of cartoon uh, amusement parks. There yes. you go. Oh, I like. Uh... Before we uh, start to kind of going off here, um, the fancy car dealership where Columbo, oh, about that. Yeah. where Columbo does something I love that he doesn't do very often, where he just pulls out the badge and just shuts someone down, which I loved. That. I have, I have never seen Columbo be a dick to a dick. I loved it. It was great. It was astonishing. John, was go ahead, please, dick. please tell the folks. That was really it. I mean, Columbo pulls his car up, his ratty old car, goes in to talk to the dealership guy just to see if Kroger had really ordered a car to be delivered to Bairn. And uh, the the guy is really snide about the car. We don't do trade-ins. Like, he figures it out quick that Columbo's not really there to trade in his car, but he's still being a dick. And then Columbo, just, yeah, he whips out that – he has a line before that that's real snide-like. I think the guy's saying they're closed, and Columbo says something like... Well, so you do have an appointment. And Columbo says, oh, I don't think I need an appointment. And he pulls exactly. out his badge. It's like, oh, the he doesn't usually pull line. rank like that. Pull rank like that. It I loved it. It was spectacular. That was and wonderful. I think, to some degree, I feel like it's because 
he recognized that this guy is not one of those upper class guys he has to dance around. This is some schmuck who works at a dealership. And yeah. it is a fancy put on air. He's put on airs. He's put on airs. And Flumbo exactly. wants to like uh, bring him down. Yeah. Just deflate him a little bit. I yeah. I thought that it, God, I thought there's it was so wonderful. Much good, there's really good stuff in this episode. Yeah, it's a good I, episode. I, I also just what what cracked me up about the whole car subplot thing is that Rip Torn could have just said, "Well, I told him I won the lottery. You just pick out a car. I'll buy it for you." Yes, but yeah, no, point. has to make up an elaborate story about right. how he faked being a photographer for Madonna and went what? around looking at houses. Like, why not just say, "I told them to pick it out, and then I was going to buy it for him." When, when supposedly yeah. his own unseen daughter was picking out a sports car to be yeah. purchased by Rip Torn. Yeah, yeah. he yeah, was. So. He was so. Oh, you know what? I just realized. He was so given to lying because he must have been lying to his wife about at, at, at least this affair. Oh, sure, sure. If not more, that must have just been his default. Like, like, uh, like say, a fish breathing water. Yep. Yeah, and, and yeah. all of his lies about Freddie, like what was really disgusting, is he made him sound worse. Oh every my god! Night. Like he was some <laughs> drunk who would be drunk driving, drinking beer all the time, and just yeah. lying about stuff and delusional. He, yeah, he he did seem to be a drunk. A little but bit, I, yeah, because the friends... I'd be like a drunk, too. too, if my favorite uncle was holding on to my lottery money and sleeping with my ex-wife. That's true. <laughs> and it'd be uh, worse, it would be worse than Miller Lite, too, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah. Six-pack a day, that's Freddy's way. Yeah. That was the line. Yep. Uh. Um, there, was a, there was another line that I wanted to mention, because I did send RJ a bunch of possibilities, and I do love what the Italian son says to his mother when she's sort of misbehaving. <laughs> and I yeah. felt like, RJ, this was line was made for you, which was behave yourself or no Jay Leno tonight. Yeah, I posted that to like uh, uh, Twitter when I was watching it again on Sunday. And it was like, <laughs> that's a threat? Right. Okay. That's like, oh, you're, it seemed like more of a treat than anything else. If I, if I was a mother, I'd just start like a ripping up the apartment, just throwing shit at people. <laughs> Sass and more police. Oh, wait, I don't have to watch the Tonight Show. I have to watch the Dancing Edos. If I if I misbehave, okay, oh sure. Dance Here we go. I'm turning over a table. There you go. I'm ripping it, the heads off dolls. O- missed opportunity for ABC because wasn't Nightline on back then? So wouldn't you just oh, oh well, right, I'll watch Nightline go. instead yeah. then? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Some branding. Get smart about that. Where's the synergy? Exactly. That's, that's I mean. They 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 didn't know what that was back in the early '90s. It was too. TV was too young in 1991. <laughs> to figure out such things. Oh, those old days. All right, well, let's start wrapping things up here uh, by going through our uh, final thoughts on stuff. We'll start with Alex. Uh, so overall, you had picked this. Uh, you said that uh, you're, it ended up being better than you remembered it even, uh, but overall, watching it again a couple times uh, at this stage in your life, how'd you feel about <laughs> it? I, I felt... I felt pretty good about it. Uh, and I'd say it was like, I don't know, for the 90s episodes, maybe a top five 90s episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. It was, it was, I liked it. I, I, I'd seen bits and pieces of it the last couple of years and would show up on television and they're like, oh, there's Rip Torn doing a broad accent. Oh, there's a chimp. Uh, I, I mean, know. we, we got a one more thing and a just one more thing. Yes. So, I mean, that right. alone. Yeah. 
There's, there's I, I made that in my notes. We got a one more thing and a just one more yeah, thing. Yeah, he said it like very, very definitively. Um, yeah. Yeah, it ended up being a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I enjoyed it a great deal. I liked Rip Torn in it, I liked Gary Kroger in it. I thought uh, Falk was wonderful in it, some great Columbo mm-hmm. stuff. I thought a good, weird mystery. It got kind of tawdry and strange, and a genuine surprise for me. Uh, pretty yeah. early in the episode, so... I thought it was good. I thought it, I think it it would have been a really good 70s episode, and it's a very good 90s episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John! I would agree with pretty much everything you said, actually. I like, I, I'm going to stick with my, this being very Hitchcockian in structure, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it's interesting to see Columbo doing the Columbo bit in differently formatted <laughs> murder plots. So that's, it's why I'm not super angry at Undercover, Although that is pretty bad, but I I do like the idea that they tried something different, even if it was not a big success. Mm-hmm. So I like that this had a slightly different format, or maybe different execution than the previous ones. Um, I had one other thing I wanted to. Oh, there was uh, there's another classic Columbo thing that we didn't talk about, hmm. which is he consoles the chimp. Columbo oh God! Yes, that's so wonderful. So much. Yes, because <laughs> you don't see it at first; you just hear him saying like. It's okay, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And the camera swings around. He's like, he's he's comforting the chimp because he knew the chimp saw yeah. a terrible thing. It's like, oh, that is so nice. Yeah, that's a really yeah. great scene. So you know, watching this, I didn't remember much about it except that I thought the premise was a little wacky. Mm. Uh, and I, w- watching it again, the intro music is really is really i don't know what to call it gooey it's kind of like saccharin and oh oh i should bring that up um uh, the music uh done by a guy named steve dorf the father of actor steven dorf who was a just, prolific uh, composer for uh, film so and television and whatnot we can I, finally yeah. we can finally connect columbo to blade that's <laughs> what i've been waiting <laughs> for <laughs> hold on hold on guys Thank i got it Thank you know goodness. what, RJ? I can finally finish my Dorf family tree. Thank there you so you much. Let me there just write go. that down. Da, 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 da. Where does Tim Conway um, fit on that? But anyway. <laughs> now um, I want a Blade Columbo crossover. That's... Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is not... I, I had said at one point to RJ, this might be my favorite 90s Columbo, and it's not. I looked at the list, and there's actually quite a few really good ones. Uh, Butterfly and Shades of Grades. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. That's good. That's so good. In fact, I I did a little check while we were talking, and I picked five episodes. I listed every episode that I thought was good from the 90s, and it's five. So this is one of my top five. There we go. Just because we haven't talked about Murder Malibu yet, but yeah. Oh, bird in the hand. (laughs) Um, Uneasy Lies the Crown has that tradition of continuing the Any Old Port in a Storm shitty pun title. Ugh. Forward anyway, to anyway, let's go back to this. So I really like the uh, I like the structure. I thought it was really wonderfully filmed. Rip Torn is a heck of an actor, so he's a great fixture in there. He's a good play for Falk, and mm-hmm. I think because Torn was doing so much heavy lifting, we got some good silences out of Columbo, oh, which yes. we don't always get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a besides having all like the the nods to old Columbo, we had something they didn't do much, and that's really nice to see them innovate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. The only reason I'm not going to rate this super high is because I had to give up a dream and I want to punish the episode. I have okay. been trying. To, 
I have been trying to get I've been trying to get Gary Kroger on as a guest for this episode for about a year, and I have he's never replied. So I'm so sad. I really wanted to have him. He's a he's a semi-private citizen, but yeah. He just ran for Congress. Anyway, yeah, I know, but yeah, he's doing nice well. To know that I'm second choice. <laughs> to Gary Kroger. <laughs> Everybody was second choice. I was whole. I actually, you might be fourth because I denied some people. I said <laughs> I'm really trying to get Gary Kroger for this. Uh, so n- nothing personal, Alex. When you were the first person who got to do this after I gave up the dream, so that must count for something. <clears throat> Still, I think it's really strong. I'm gonna. I'm. I feel awkward about giving it a seven because i think it's better than a seven but i think to be safe and i don't want to like overstate it and obviously i don't even know why i'm bothering because these ratings are completely arbitrary but i will give him seven uh out of ten uh things that are all shiny and all metal (laughs) (laughs) and alex alex on the subject of ratings everything you want to say there well i i did want to mention that in the last episode you, you said that Amanda was the first guest to steal your ratings gimmick. And I just wanted to point out that I oh, did it in episode it is, 27. Can I, and Mike, there's no end to the, di- no end of the disrespect I'm showing you. I <laughs> never, I never listened to these things after we, after I post them. So I didn't know that, but my goodness, John, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I was, oh, I was mowing so... my lawn while listening to that episode. And I stopped mowing to be like, that's Jay! Wait, what? I was the first. Yeah, threw the mower at a neighbor child, <laughs> and it's just oh my goodness. Thirty episodes later, I've completely forgotten somehow. <laughs> Someone else <laughs> rated a Columbo episode and some numbers. Months. Yeah. All right. I we'll, love we'll I love back. the idea that people but people listen to this thing while mowing lawns. Wow, <laughs> I, I slightly it blows my mind. Like oh okay yeah I guess that could happen. Sure. To crank it up. Lawnmowers are loud these days. An electric, it's very quiet. Oh, it's electric. Well, well, there we go. When I listen to my podcasting as well, listen to podcasts while I do yard work. Oh, that seems a good time. I listen to them uh, while I do uh, long amounts of dishes on Sundays. I find it very... (laughs) The Hollywood Handbooks podcast I enjoy listening to while doing dishes on Sunday. Yes. I, I like to listen to mine while uh, I'm trying to avoid listening to the stereo, the, the stereo system that my my coworkers just installed in our open space floor plan. Oh, great. And oh, which is... They should after be able three, to do that, but that's nuts. I know. Hey. After, after 3 o'clock, it's all contemporary jazz fusion, so... Oh, boy. Yeah, the, yeah. Missus, the missus has an open uh, floor plan office redesign coming up. She ain't looking <laughs> at, at they're the least it's not acapella renditions of Where Have All the Flowers Gone. That's or, right. He's a That's jolly good right. fellow. So. I can actually hit you with the worst thing I've ever heard, uh, musically speaking. It took... So he started playing... One of my, he, one of my co-workers... <laughs> Has will take over the sound system to play contemporary jazz fusion, uh-huh. and he was playing one of these, and I hate that. It's like that's the only it's the you know the country and rap joke. Contemporary jazz is pretty much the only form of music I hate, and I love Tuvon throat singing. So yeah, uh, as we all so, do, as we sure. all do. So he's sure. he's playing this thing, and I'm like, oh, it sounds kind of familiar, and they're kind of they're doing the noodly jazz thing, so I can't really pick it out. Until I realize it's Peter Gabriel's Games Without Frontiers. Oh, no. Oh, a cover. 
It is weird. a collection of Peter Gabriel covers a in a collection? contemporary jazz style. Yeah. A what? It is the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh my god. That somebody said, wow, that Good those gravy. early those first three Peter Gabriel albums are really just astonishing works of individual expression. How would they sound in contemporary jazz? Oh boy. Oh hate it. Well, that's great. Let's end the episode on a downer. All right. Did you notice she was wearing makeup in the bathtub? No, I didn't. Yeah. Just know she was like rubbing a, le- a glass on her leg while An talking glass. to talking to Rip Torn on the phone. Yep. Oi. Random. All right. Well, that's. Uh, oh, actually, no. You threw me completely, Alex. <laughs> if people want to see uh, what you're up to these days, where should they go on the internet to find that sort of thing? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am the Alex Knapp, and uh, you can catch me at Forbes, Forbes.com slash sites slash Alex Knapp. Very easy. Oh, great. And you're covering not just technology, but also science these days, as you mentioned earlier. Science and video games. And, oh, cool. You know, and stuff here and there. So there you go. Nice. I have nice. my twelve-year-old's dream job. What you got to play Zelda for a hundred hours for your oh, job? Okay, that's that's not Do bad. <laughs> and, and for Forbes for crying out loud, that ain't bad at all. I, I would never have thought when I was twelve years old that that would be a job at Forbes magazine at all. Oh, you know, any I, sort of magazines. That's amazing. I just that's I neat. just realized we've had you we've had you on multiple times, and I've never thought to ask you. Who on the Forbes richest person list would be a really good killer for a Columbo episode? Ooh, that's it. Oh, and so also, and also uh, did you have to sign uh, an NDA so you would never have to answer that question? <laughs> working for them, like, well, some of them actually I, have done that, so you can't actually answer that. So, but well, you know, safe. Uh, we, we we did have El Chapo on there once. So the oh, there we go. Oh, that, back that. in his heyday. So um, your, uh, is that? I don't know if you guys do this all the time, but you had that that list of most uh, richest fictional characters. Oh, Richie yeah, Rich, Scrooge McDuck, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to I was trying to figure out who'd be the best Columbo killer out of that, and I think it's Scrooge McDuck. Oh no, it's Tony Stark. Oh, oh yes. I, uh, oh yeah, good. yeah. I think so. Tony yeah, Stark. Yeah. Smog, not smog. First of all. I think Richie Rich, too. He just, like, uh, put him up in some weird wing of the Rich Mansion, and nobody ever see it again. Did you see those images from the comic that I was posting where Richie Rich, like, loves death and craves the culling of it from living men? Yeah, see, there you go. It's easily. Yeah. Yeah, He just, he hires dudes to, like, murder dudes. It's weird. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And on that note, (laughs) good lord. Nobody, nobody expects after the ratings that we're going to talk about Columbo anymore. They're, they know it's all garbage. That's true. Yeah, garbage like, hey, if you'll listen to more episodes, just one more thing. <laughs> go to jmtpodcast.com or look for J- just one more thing on your favorite uh, uh, podcast app. If you want to leave us a rating on any of those or review on iTunes or Stitcher or <clears throat> uh, Google's audio service, Please do. It helps us uh, get up there. It helps more people find us. Uh, Positive or negative, hopefully positive, but we also have uh, had a couple of negative ones. But you know what? There's no such thing as bad press. Uh, If you want to follow us on Twitter, we post uh, things that other people have posted about uh, Columbo on there, Uh, plus uh, up-to-the-minute updates, whatnot. That's JMT Podcast on Twitter. Uh, Tumblr, we got one of those, too. John posts all sorts of things. Screen grabs from the episodes. And... Other uh, appearances of Columbo and popular culture in the last, like, uh, 40 years or so, which are kind of fun. 
uh, that's JMT Podcast on Tumblr as well. If you want to write us an email, uh, get at us, yell at us, whatever you feel, Columbo at the citydesk.net. That's the program for this time around. I'm RJ White. John Morris. And uh, we'll talk to you next time talking about murder in Malibu. Thanks. Right. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Girls, <laughs> long time ago. <laughs>